This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? me if they're interested in talking or learning about coaching or just reading my blog or just saying hi at after the on instagram after defeat just a-f-t-e-r-d-e-f-e-a-t and the same for my website www.afterdefeat.com and there people can contact me and um, read my blog etc so i would love to hear from people I'm friendly and open, and I love to hear new ideas. So that's always really awesome to me. Gosh. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show and for such a high vibrating conversation. This is going to be so great to share with everybody. This has been so fun for me. I just want to thank you for having me on and having such a thorough, fun, light, interesting, and introspective conversation. I really like the way you operate and the way you are in the world. It, I can just, I love hearing how positive you are and also how how tickled you are with ideas. It, it's just, it's so, it's just such a present part of you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. You're welcome. I just feel like it's all giggles and I like that. That's the kind of way that, like that, those are the people I like are the people who are like open to giggling and then actually do it. That's me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This is good. We'll wake up we'll be waking up some more of those those people in their in their hibernation through this exactly. podcast. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nina. And you oh, have a great you. day and uh, you too. Stay inspired. Sounds good and you also. Talk bye. to you soon. All right, bye bye. Bye. Inspirado, what did you mean by UFO meetings you attended? Thank you so much, Man Behind the Machine, for asking me about the secret UFO meetings I used to attend. I am going to answer that question. Um, If you stick around after this extraordinary interview with Nina Rubin, coactive coach, an extraordinary spirit. I met her on a few occasions at Yachtly Cruise shows. Just a great spirit. She helps out all kinds of folks, all shapes and sizes, um, all businesses and nomenclatures. She's she's great. She helps you uh, analyze your dreams too, which is actually what we're going to be talking about here. So stick around afterwards. Oh, by the way, if any of you want to be included in episodes of Inspirato Projecto, like we just heard from Man Behind the Machine, you could do two things. Of course, download the app, Anchor FM, and uh, you could you could actually find Inspirato Projecto in there and leave a message in there for me. Also, you could call the hotline, 561-203-9179. Call it up, and I will put your message into the episode, which actually, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that after this interview with Nina Rubin. So stick around. Thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. So one of the things uh, since last time we talked, I so I came across, I guess David Blaine, about four hours ago, went up into the sky at I don't know how many thousands of feet with, with balloons. He was tied to a whole bunch of balloons, air balloon, uh, really? balloons. Really? Yeah, and he flew across. This was up in, in Arizona. And so I was just watching the, because they kind of have like a little documentary. It's on it's on YouTube. You can check it out. It's, it's crazy. I think this happened four hours ago. And um, and so it's been a dream, a dream of his ever since he was a little kid. I guess he saw a movie where some guy gets taken up into the sky with balloons. And so that, that had been something in his brain. And for the longest time and he got together a, a group of folks and uh they figured out all the stuff he took skydiving lessons and he, there's just so much that went into this i guess 10 years worth of preparation and so it's just so it's just so crazy and uh, uh just to know what we are capable of, of as humans to um to pull off some kind of kinds of these stunts i mean it's like the other day I, I saw on TikTok, there was this kid who I, I it, it's I don't 
I mean, I don't even know how the heck you even train for something like this, but he's got basically, there's like a big fan. It's like a, he's got like a backpack and it's got like a fan or something on it that shoots wind up into like a parachute kind of thing. And he flies around his town. You see him like go, oh yeah, we're going to Oh my goodness. And he goes off into the sky and over the cornfields and he lands in the parking lot and gets his gets a sandwich he's like okay up in the sky we go and 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 he goes and it's like this is something that's actually really happening right now it's just blowing oh my god which is so funny that's so cool oh yeah it's funny because earlier when we were talking last time um you're talking about reoccurring dreams and some of the reoccurring dreams that i've had so it totally makes sense that i see this synchronicity here about flying in the sky is that a, a lot of my dreams are about flying um, a lot mm-hmm. of them are about seeing spacecrafts or being aboard spacecrafts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them are just flying just as a regular human, almost kind of like, like I can jump from rooftops to rooftops and oh man, it's just, ooh, it's just so exhilarating. It's so exhilarating. <laughs> Growing up, I used to have dreams where I would be flying, but then, but then it's so crazy because like, there's that thing that kicks in. I think that's kind of a default mechanism in a lot of people's brains is that thing, like if, that idea of like, oh, wow, things are going great right now. But just around the corner, something terrible might happen. So don't get too excited. Yeah. Don't rest, you know, don't relax too much into that wonderful feeling because something's bound to come cra- crashing through the wall like Kool-Aid, man. And so I would have in these dreams where, yeah, I'd be flying. It'd be great. And then I would have this thought in my brain going, oh, no, I hope no bad guys show up. And then all of a sudden these dudes would show up with machine guns trying to shoot me out of the sky. And so it was like, it was such a lesson. Like when we look at how dreams manifest, the cool, the the, the immediacy, and how fast uh, um, ideas manifest in a dream. It's like it's. I just feel like it's a symbolic representation of what happens to us in real life in terms of manifestation. However, in a dream, it's instantaneous. Um, but it really definitely shows us the consequences of our well thoughts, I suppose. You know, the ideas that we're putting out there and the way they reflect back to us. Uh, but it's it's just so interesting how it's a it's just a symbolic representation of what's going on here. Except you know sometimes there are varying lengths of time in order for things to manifest. But, but I, I think it, so. You're speaking to like how when your mind is at rest, you have an unlimited amount of uh, an unlimited and infinite amount of like creativity. But then when you wake up and you have this saboteur who says, "Well, you could get shot down." Right. And like yeah, how, yeah. how quickly that how quickly that saboteur or that inner critic comes in saying, well, don't get too excited. Don't go high too high because you're going to need um, this is not going to work out anyway. Yes. That's around the corner. Yeah. And those used to be the dreams that I would have grown up. But now it's like there are no bad guys. Like I, it's like, oh, a that's little, great. It's it's somehow I ironed out those wrinkles and <laughs> and uh, and just allowed myself to ease into uh, the, the, the flying around, you know what I think it is. I think it, it was the more I, the more I was watching videos and reading, reading books about manifestation of reality, how to better connect with the universe, um, um, watching a lot of, you know, channelers and, and, and people who, who makes it their mission to have a very close relationship with the universe. The more, the more I started applying those things to my own life and following my intuitions and following the synchronicities and seeing how those inevitably uh, 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 manifested those things into my reality where I could make a direct connection between something I said or thought and I go, oh, bleep, and all of a sudden there it is in my reality. The more I became comfortable with that and more I had a relationship with that, I think that's probably where the turning point started happening in my dreams where it was like, look, it's in your hands, man. It's in your hands. <laughs> you know, we're taking our cue from you. What what kind of movie do you want to see right now? You know, it's like, do you want it to be terrible bad guys coming out or do you want to just have a blast flying, you know, flying in the clouds and going over these majestic landscapes? And I'm like, wow, it, it just it's it just felt so empowering once that realization of sitting in the of, of knowing that you were sitting in the driver's seat you know once that yeah in, it was like oh wow that's a key <laughs> that's awesome um it's so cool that you have access to so much creativity in your life and that you you really allow your mind to express your, itself and that you don't shut it down <laughs> oh my gosh you know and it's it's i love the fact that you said that and you pointed that out because that's i mean that's it's beautiful that you said that because that's that's what it is it's like i'm letting the kids play i'm letting the kids i'm letting mm-hmm. the ideas mm-hmm. let them get muddy let them splash around in the puddles let them get you know sand under their fingernails as they're playing around in the sandbox you know letting them get cut and bruised while they're climbing the trees 
And mm-hmm. it's like, that's, it's, yeah, it's so cool that you're pointing that out because I view those ideas as so uh, just, just sac- sacred. Yeah, sacred little children. So just, just like, oof, you know, these little babies, let's grow them up and uh, get them out there in the world. <laughs> and uh, I just, I just feel the excitement whenever I choose one of them to start doing something with it. They're like, all right, cool. And uh, <laughs> like the dog hopping in the car, it's like, we're going on an adventure. And uh, oh, it's just, it, it feels so good to, yeah, it feels so good to plug into that. And um, what, I mean, you, you were talking, you were telling me before that you had struggled with perfectionism. Where do you think that that oh, had yeah. first stemmed from? Uh, well, it's interesting because I don't know. I think it's innate for me. Um, I don't know because when I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher approached my parents and asked my parents or told my parents to stop putting on so, putting so much pressure on me to be perfect in class and this was kindergarten and my parents said um we're not we just want her to like learn and have fun and she said the teacher said well she's really upset when she doesn't like do her lettering her like handwriting correctly and my parents were like well we're not putting pressure this is just how she is and so i don't know i i think it's been something that was innate in me and it took years for me to reckon with and i remember i know when when i stopped well I would say, I, I can't say I'm, I'm finished with perfectionism, but I can definitely say that I've gotten, um, I'm in recovery. And I know when the recovery started, and that was when I started doing, um, a, I started doing a really hard type of exercise. I did CrossFit, and I know there's like um, pros and cons of CrossFit, and I don't want to get into that, but I did something really hard for me, because I never considered myself athletic. I considered myself fit, but I never considered myself athletic. And then I realized I could be, an like anyone could be an athlete. It doesn't mean you have to be competitive. It just means you have to move your body. And when I recognized that, that's when I thought I could try something and fail. I can drop weight. Like, I mean, Ah. I don't mean, I don't mean like literally weight on my body, like get thinner, thinner. It was like, literally I could drop a barbell with weight on it and no one would hurt themselves. Like I wouldn't break and the weight wouldn't break and I wasn't ruining anything because I was always so afraid that I was going to ruin something Mm. for somebody. And so my perfectionism was like was all about like me not pleasing somebody. Like I really wanted to everybody to be having a good time, and no one was having a bad time in CrossFit. Everybody and you, I, I realized I could have a good time. We could all have a good time. Lift different amounts of weight, run different run, run miles, and um, not I didn't have to win, and it would be fun. It could just be fun. It could be. It was something that could be. There was like a competitive aspect where I could be competitive with myself. But I knew I wasn't going to be the best one in class or go to like the regionals or, or, or the competitions, but it was just fun. And that's when I recognized my perfectionism, the hold of perfectionism loosening. That was a good, good, good feeling. Incredible. You know, that whole thing was just a, a total symbolic representation, a whole, you know, uh, metaphor just for like life itself. It's so crazy. Like, yeah. How every plant grows at its own pace. Every uh, dog barks at its own uh, speed or pitch. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, each person eats at their own pace. Uh, you know, there's a, it's like that idea of like there's enough room for everyone. And if there is competition, yeah. it's the idea of going, wow, cool. Look, at here's a benchmark that I passed. Wow. Wouldn't that be fun if I try to pass you know, a few more, let's see where those benchmarks will end up. And then it becomes sort of like, you, you don't, you don't have to match yourself up against anyone and, and you don't get that sort of right. like us versus them mentality. It's just purely, here's this, you know, relationship I'm, I'm, I'm growing here and, and in what directions right. can we grow it? And it's well, also like when it, with regard to my blog, I, I had start I, I wanted to write a blog for a long time. And then I thought, Oh, I'm not enough good, a good enough writer. I don't have a Pulitzer prize. And then I started, re- and then I, I thought I better just read some blogs. And I realized a lot of people have a blog that, um, and they're not Pulitzer Prize winning authors, or right. they don't even write full sentences. So if I can write a full sentence, I would be just doing well enough. And then I realized I don't even have to be brilliant. Like it, it <laughs> takes. <laughs> and yeah. then I realized, like I, in my desire to be brilliant, I don't have to be. I, I don't even have to be interesting. I can just express myself for the sake of, in, of, of expressing myself. Right. And then, and then in the sake of expressing myself, I realized that I was um, smart or I was interesting, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was trying and trial and error more so than like winning. That was a huge, another aspect of perfectionism that, that helped me. 
Wow, that's a brilliant way of doing. That's a brilliant way of putting it. You know, taking out that aspect of. Yeah, you're, it's like by not giving power to that that competitive nature or being, you know, matched up with a Pulitzer Prize winner or, you know, by taking away that that power, it just gave you so much freedom to really just dive deeper into your own authentic self, huh? Exactly. Actually, you said something a moment ago, and this is the, a sentence I would have said, and you said there's room enough for all of us, and I totally agree. Like, you can yeah. have your podcast, and I can have a podcast, and they're not <laughs> they're not in competition. We, there's room. Like, we, we could both have a podcast if we wanted to. You could yes. also write a blog, and, like, it's not going to take away from my thoughts, or it, it only might promote mine. Like, it only might give me more to think about and write about. Yeah, and you know what's so funny, too, is, like, that's the other crazy thing, too, is that when when the focus is not oh gosh it's such a beautiful thing because all the things that a, a one particular mindset might value as the highest and most important thing like oh gosh i really hope that i um 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 get millions of viewers on here oh i hope i um uh, I hope people like the content I'm putting out there um will they find me funny will they find me interesting see but it's funny because that then becomes a very forced and very uh, 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 um desperate sort of yes. mission however when it's just getting the kick out of yourself and your ideas and your thoughts all of that stuff comes by as a byproduct anyway Which, uh, you yes and not only getting viewers. a kick of yourself but getting a kick out of others with a natural curiosity well, sure. sure yeah well the the ideas i guess what i'm talking we're referring to is that idea of giving you know g- getting kick out of those ideas and and the imagination that's coming to you and not feeling like you're just like wow i'm just so happy about crafting this particular world yes world that's yes here. exactly and, and what's so fun it's like there you know there, there are vibrations that vibrate with all shapes and sizes and uh uh colors and it's it's incredible because like I, I frequently think about this like there's a whole genre called noise it's just called noise and and they got festivals noise band festival where you go there you could you could i mean you could be in the band and you're called the pots and pans express and you bring there and you just got your pots and pans you go yeah 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 and you bang on the pots and pans and they put you on the stage immediately it's that kind of thing where it's like holy cow who would have thought that something like that would be a genre and that there'd be all these people that actually love that kind of thing well that <laughs> goes to show that there's there once again there's room for all kinds of these these um ideas and um and explorations and the cool thing is you're you're going to those people who are meant to find your thing they're going to be gravitated towards it somehow the universe is going to bring it yes that's right it's such a fun and then it just becomes so much more enjoyable then it's becoming like a fun like i think i was telling you about the idea of doodling where when you're talking on the phone see it's funny because i'll talk to people who are are like oh i can never be an artist oh i well maybe i did way when i was a kid but oh no i can never be an artist i just draw stick figures or i doodle and i'm like well doodling that's that's the purest form of art form that's that's you getting out of the way yourself you're talking to the phone mm-hmm. on the phone usually and that side of your brain is used up while the other side is just like oh okay let's just make some shapes here let's just go here and it's so completely un unattached it's detached and it's playful and it's like look at that awesome scribble you know or geometric pattern that was just formed right there without forethought without anything and yet here are people who are are selling prints of of things just like that on eBay <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're like Oh, interesting. Interesting. So it is fun when you give yourself permission to just kind of be okay with being sloppy and um I mean that must have felt really good for you when you were when you that when that key you know when that revelation struck you where you could go wow cool I can you know I can exercise I can do this and it's just me and I don't have to I don't have to uh, uh, compete against anyone. Once it was started- very liberating and It's all it, it and then it I started noticing it in other areas of my life because at first it was just like exercise and then it was my blog and then it was like oh I can actually like be as outgoing as I want because I used to, my brother is like really really outgoing and personable and so and I think I am too but I think a lot of the times I would be in com- I would be in competition with him that one of us has to be like the louder one but I realized we can both be outgoing <laughs> personable people and riff off of each other rather than like take the attention from each ah, other. Oh, <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's great. Yeah, sharing that the give and take aspect, the uh right. you know, everyone gets a turn on the right type of thing. Yes. That's that's really yeah, cool. Exactly. Those are some great revelations. And once as you're coming to those revelations, was that around the time that you 
um, we're starting to get into uh, life coaching. I mean, we're. Um. All, well, I would say that's an. Hmm, in terms of chronology, chronology, I don't know. I would say I was. Well, I would. I would say I was finishing up my therapy career when I was um, starting CrossFit, and then. Um, and I and I don't think those. I I don't know that that's. I wonder if that's coincidental. Probably not. Cause I don't really believe in coincidences. I think that there's always like there's always all these like red threads that run through. But I've never thought about it in analogy. I'll have to get back to you on that. But just on my first thought, as I did more, actually yes, as I did more CrossFit and started noticing I can do this for the sake of me rather than the sake of um, something else. That's when I did start it. That's when I did change my practice, and I thought I really don't have to be a therapist anymore. But I did. I felt so stuck being a therapist. So maybe that's a, that's an interesting Ooh. point. Wow! How I never cool. thought about it. I honestly like never thought about it like that before. It's fun to see how the things dovetail into one another. How the yeah how the baton is handed off into the next energy form, the next entity yeah. <laughs> that's being created. Yeah, I ne- I really never thought about it. That's that's something I want to explore on my own. That's that's interesting. So what are, what I mean? What are some of the strangest dreams that you've heard people tell you about that you've you know had to you know kind of weave through like a labyrinth and go ooh let's unpack this here. Oh, um, some I had a I had somebody tell me about a dream with the cast of Hamilton. That was awesome. Um, it was a cast of Hamilton, and then there was like the the dream was uh, was a was a musical, and then the person had dyed their hair normally doesn't dye their hair and had dyed their hair like a very wild color and so that <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard it's hard to recall other people's dreams because they're not mine uh-huh. but I, I i think another thing that's really interesting with dream work is to not, is to look at dreams in two different ways one is through the present and look at like a single incident dream like the one i had the other day or look at a, a recurring dream like you were mentioning you always used to fly in your dreams and yeah. so I've done dream work with people where we're talking about like the recurring dreams and when it comes up and mm. does it come up when you're anxious, when you're excited, when, and, and like, because I think, I think we dream every night. I believe that we always dream, but we're, but we have to be in a certain mindset to remember our dreams. We have to like be lucid enough to remember and then actually like make an effort to say it or write it down or tell somebody right away. I think, um, and then otherwise, it, it we know that there's something that happened in our in our sleeping state, but we can't find the words for it. And so I think it's really cool to put the words to it and say it out loud. But um, I would want to talk to you about like a recurring dream, if you had one. I had a recurring dream for years, like from childhood. It was probably into from like when I was probably like oh ten to like thirty. I had this dream on and off that that cactus. Um, Cactus needles were were sort of like porcupine needles, and they were coming out of the cactus and, and attacking me. And the walls would get really small, and then everything would become sort of psychedelic and like lumpy. And I had this dream for years, and I remembered why I started having it. But I would always have that dream when I was when I was really nervous or scared of some about something. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. But I, I stopped having it when I started doing dream work and when I talked about it with somebody. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a scary dream. Oh my god. And gosh. I remember it now. I mean, I remember it really well now. Whoa. Whoa. Actually, the the reason I had the dream is when I was in when I was a kid, um do you remember the Dare program like don't yes. or like don't do drugs? Okay. Yeah. So, when I was in school, my te- they they play the school played like this Dare video and it was so scary. It was all these people who were heroin addicts. Like they were sitting in a, they were sitting in a, like a, a, like a, like a, like a drug den with, it was like dirty and dark in the video and all these people were passed out on, on, on the stairs and they were, you could see them in the video. This is a video for like, I don't know, I was in like fourth grade. You could see them shooting heroin. And I remember coming and I got, I felt nauseous during what I remember feeling nauseous. And I got like really lightheaded and got a headache during school. When I came home from school, my mom asked why I didn't feel well, and I told her we had to watch this video. And she actually told the teacher, "I don't want Nina to watch these videos. We're we're good on telling her about drugs. She's not going to do them, and we 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 don't want you to teach her this." Like my parents thought that the Dare program was um, sort of was a dumb program, and so 
Uh, so whenever we would have dare at school, I would have to go to the library, which was much better than watching these horrific <laughs> videos. <laughs> and I know it's funny because all these people are like, no, I want my kids to learn that. My parents were like, no, we want to teach her or my, my, my brother and me. We want to teach them this stuff like in a different way. We want to teach them uh, more holistically rather than like n never teach them like when it's appropriate to try things and when what's not appropriate to try things like that. So I had like a really open childhood. So, um, so I remember having that, watching that video, and then we had in our house, we had some cacti. And I, I remember, and we also had a two-story house, so there were stairs. And I remember like laying on the floor when I, like after school or something one day, and imagining all of the, or I guess the dream was that all of the, the cacti started shooting their needles at me. And it was, I think it was in direct response to the, to the D.A.R.E. video. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. Oh, and also we had these tapestries in our house. Like we had a lot of like tapestries or um, really cool sort of like, um, like, like mandala, mandala symbols on our windows. We had those like in my, win in my, it was like kind of like stained glass. It was like this mandala, really cool mandala symbols in our house, like all over. And so I, my parents were really like open and into like cosmic stuff. And so that's how our house was decorated and I think that's how the how the psychedelic view came in with with the needles poking me in my dream it was but it was scary I'm like telling it as if it's cool now but it wasn't at the time it was so scary and I could never get out of it because also the, the walls would be closing in oh geez. and it was like a really claustrophobic it was scary it was like a really claustrophobic anxiety producing dream holy cow and then how long did that last probably like 20 years <laughs> Wow. So and it wasn't every night it wasn't every night but it would be like when i was under duress really anxious about something and um like didn't know when i didn't have a, a good concept or awareness of like of myself that's when i would have the dream i learned that later wow it's wow it's so interesting how those those are giving us these little these little nuggets these little secrets and once we mm -hmm. kind of go i see what you're doing there then they kind of go oh okay <laughs> you know then they kind of disappear. yeah exactly right it's so it's so interesting wow did you ever watch twin peaks not really i've watched a little but no i, I actually want to watch it now it's so cool because dale cooper follows follows his intuition and his dreams to help solve the case it's really cool because it's it's so especially at the time i mean even now for for that type of stuff now i think it's a little more acceptable like in terms of i think there's a lot more surrealistic type of stuff going on, on tv now than than ever mm -hmm. before but when yeah. Twin peaks came out there was just a lot of like you know sitcoms on and not not very much nutrition going on and so he so out right. Twin peaks and it's this cosmic stuff uh you know with with information he's receiving in his dreams and then the synchronicities start popping up in his in his world and he's like ah i i learned about that in my dream and so it was just such a such a mind bender so i think um you you'd, you'd get a kick out of it there are two there are three seasons actually and uh it's just it's just so much it's just so much fun but it's uh it's just so cool to see someone who is so obedient to their dreams and he's like you know what i i solved the you know, I solved the, the dream, I cracked the crime. And that's basically <laughs> kind of what he does throughout the, the episode. And even if his methods are a little strange, um, you know, the, the townspeople are just like, okay, well, you know, that's, I guess that's what Agent Cooper does. Okay, let's, let's just go along <laughs> with this. And, uh, oh, it's just so cool. Very, very, it's very playful. And um, yeah, so I just had to, I, I had to put, put plant that little seed uh, in there because I think maybe, um, especially in this day and age where all of the episodes are right there it, it's a lot yeah. easier to retain information with, with such a convoluted show <laughs> with so many mm -hmm, names mm -hmm. and things it's just a lot easier like oh okay cool you know you're on episode four and you're like oh okay this is the guy from episode one okay i remember rather than the older days where it was like one week at a time and you're going okay wait oh yeah totally four weeks ago i can't remember and <laughs> yeah it's it's so much fun it's great that you you work in that realm of helping people kind of solve these dreams uh there's there's an institute called the monroe institute and something that they there's a guy named um i think his name is bob monroe and he once had an out-of-body experience and he wanted to figure out how the heck to like how to recreate it and so 
he started doing a lot of tests with different sounds and frequencies and then throughout all of his testing um, he ended up forming the Monroe Institute and finding all of these different frequencies that helped bring people into all these different states of, of being um, oh. and so he would have these tests like at the Monroe Institute they, they, they teach you about astral travel where everybody meets up mm-hmm. the people all meet up at a particular spot and uh, or in a specific realm or a different dimension you know and then they come back and then they describe what they saw and they're like oh my gosh wow okay oh yeah this thing and that thing oh my gosh it's 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 fascinating i've talked to some people um about this and it's just like it sounds so enticing to me being able to oh i hope like, you get to it, it, i hope you get to go sometime oh my gosh remote viewing and i mean all of these all of these amazing things that uh are just not, you know, definitely not conventional uh, 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 pieces of information out there in the world. And it's it's astounding. I mean, to be able to just imagine that if you're able to just go kind of flip through different uh, parallel universes, uh, kind of like a TV set while you're dreaming and you just go doop, 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 mm-hmm. and, and you can flip around, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> it's- it would be really cool. But I wonder, I also, well, actually, I started trying something a few years ago where I would decide I'm going to have a, a favorable dream. Like, I want to have a dream where it's like a, an upbeat dream. And so I would tell myself, like, I, I, I would tell myself before bed, okay, I want you to think about such and such. And then, and, and I would sort of like set myself up for having a favorable dream. And I did. Oh, that's awesome. I, 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 cause I would sort of just tell myself, I couldn't control everything, obviously, but I would tell myself, think about this overnight. And then in the morning when I would wake up, I would feel like I would have an answer. And I don't know how, but I just sort of did. And it wouldn't be everything. It wasn't linear. It was like, it would be like, okay, I, want, I think you're, you're sort of, you're concerned about this. Think about it. Actually, this happened a couple nights ago where I was thinking, I've been thinking about making some videos and I've been sort of stuck. And, and when I woke up in the morning, I felt like I felt like I had the answers. Oh, that's great. And so yesterday um, I started writing my script for my video. Because I just it felt I felt so clear when I woke up. Gosh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Do you think that maybe the answers come to us and our brain is working, you know, diligently to find the answers because I yeah I, yeah I think if we allow ourselves to yes yeah because we don't have that other critic who's going who's standing at the door going eh, now hold on wait a second okay everybody is this yep. a good idea or is this not a good idea we need a consensus here you know it's just going it's just kind of happening. It's, it's interesting how dreams tend to be remembered most when we're woken up from them. When, um, yeah. you know, when there's alarm that goes off or the cat's crying or, you know, something happens where like, whoa, and then you're woken up out of it. You're pull- it's like you're pulled right out of this thing and you're just groggy, kind of like still with one foot in the dream and one foot in, in this world. And oh, it's, it's, it's so interesting when you can feel such a close um, lucidity with that with your dreams with you know with lucid dreams it's so that we can we can control what's going on in there when I guess what are the what's the, sort of the percentage of amount of times where you have lucid dreams where you realize you're dreaming and now you can kind of control it Ooh, percentage um, I don't know but I like to wake up I mean I, I, I prefer to stay asleep though obviously but then sometimes I I wake up and I think, oh, I'm having this dream. I want to finish it. And so then think I, I have time to go back to sleep. I would say that happens maybe a little less than half of the time, but I would say still a fair, a good amount of time. It's not just like once a year. It's, it's like a good amount of time. And I think it's because I, and I, yeah, I, I tell myself, let's just finish this. Let's sort this out so that you know how it, how it concludes. So, so, okay, so you're, you're able to just dive right back in there with that knowledge that you're going back into a dream. Sometimes, not all the time, but yeah, I'll, okay, so then I'll think, is this really happening? Like, I'll wake up and maybe have to use the bathroom or, or there'll be a sound that'll wake me up. Or maybe I'm cold or hot. Some, something will wake me up, let's just say. So then uh, my mind feels like really full, but in a, in like a, a in a really good way. Not, I don't feel overwhelmed. I'll, I'll feel like what's going on and then I'll think this is crazy like this person's appearing here or oh I haven't thought about this in a long time and then I'll, I'll try to keep my eyes closed as much as possible and I try not to talk like like um, try not to talk or I try not to be too distracted and I try to stay really focused so that when and then I go back get back into my bed or I like turn over and then 
I just like do some nasal breathing, like some deep breathing through my nose. I think that's a very relaxing breath that indicates that tells your brain to relax. And then I can usually get back in. So I do this a lot actually, now that I meant now that we're talking about it. Wow. So do you so when you when you go back in there, are you finding yourself um um so like just... is it like where I where I left off? Um sometimes, not all the time, but usually it can pick I can pick back up. Rarely do I feel like it it, it just has gone. Incredible. And then so then do you start controlling the dream or are you kind of on the ride just kind of letting it No, I'm on the ride. Then I am on the ride. I'm on the ride. I let myself be on the ride because otherwise if I'm controlling it. I'm not in the dream anymore and then I'm awake. Mhm. Oh, gotcha. Right, right, right. My name is Atlas the Dragon with the Varel's Bridge Society. I am the ambassador out of Houston, Texas, and I let me tell you something now. I very will be found. This clarity will not win the day. Crystal is going to succeed. Zorch will be done with, and we will no longer have to deal with the false knowledge along this world. Somewhere else, Bridget, I will win, you hear me? Take my word for it. We are coming. First of all, first of all, uh, thank you, Nina, for such an extraordinary interview. Now, there's going to be going to be a part three, so keep your antennae open for that part three. Um, now, before I answer Man Behind the Machine's question, if you remember, he asked about the secret UFO meetings I used to attend. I have got to talk about this phone call that came through the hotline. This was an this is an ambassador from the Varels Bridge Society. Now, Varels Bridge Society is connected with Christor Inc. And you've heard me talk about Christor Inc. on podcasts before. Christor Inc. Uh, is associated with DJ Scaramanga Silk who I will be interviewing soon. Uh, also, Sister Rose, I believe, is the name of the other woman who's a, char- in, in, uh, a part of Christor Inc. Also involved, Spencer McCall and Wiley Herman. You heard uh, the past podcasts with Spencer McCall and Wiley Herman. I am finding myself I- caught in this extraordinary tribe of these extraordinary people. And... My dream is to have all of these people working with each other on each other's projects at some point in life. Wow, it just blows my mind. So the Varels Bridge Society. You know, this. these are... Uh, go to christorinc.com, folks. This is, this is what they call the alternate reality games that are out there. They actually, you're actually a part of this. Now I'm compelled to call them back. So, first things, first things first, call the hotline, 561-203-9179. That's how this ambassador of the Texas Division of the Varels Bridge Society called up. Boy, oh boy, this, this stuff gets intense. You will be able to check out on the Christor Inc. page... You could also sign up for the Varel's Bridge Society. That's, I mean, gosh, you could get deep into this stuff. I'm going to have a podcast all about Mesmer and Braid, too. I'm going to talk about them. Actually, I might as well talk about them now. Mesmer and Braid is another alternate reality game. Now, don't quote me on this, but there's there's a person on TikTok named Blurbex46, I believe, or 49, 46, B-L-U-R-B-E-X 46, the number. Check out the videos. They came across a 
a mesmer property called wanderlust there's a there's a whole discord page i just learned about discord discord is a sort of a private server um and and everybody can brainstorm and talk about what their theories are there's a Christor one. There's a whole nonchalance. The whole nonchalance universe in, includes Christor Inc., Varel's Bridge Society, Latitude Society, Elsewhere Society, Jejun Institute, Grandview Boulevard. Grandview Boulevard, of course, has Coleman in it. Coleman, or Octavio Coleman. Octavio Coleman is the uh, leader of the Jejun Institute. I believe Commander 14 is the leader of Elsewhere Society. Man, such magic, such magic that those three musketeers, Wiley Herman, Spencer McCall, and Jeff Hull have created. I sent out an email to Jeff Hull, and now since we're talking about this, I totally trust that Jeff Hull is going to get back to me. Spencer McCall connected us. There, 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 is, there are so many deep questions involving Christor Inc., Mesmer and Braid, all of that stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Christor Inc. or something from that universe uh, ties in with Mesmer and Braid. That'd be a lot of fun. I've got suspicions. I've got some suspicions. Crazy suspicions. I love that song by Stephen Wonderful. Crazy suspicions. <laughs> Crazy suspicions. <laughs> oh, that's Stephen Wonderful. One of my one of my favorite artists of all time, Stephen Wonderful. Crazy superstitions. Wow. You know, I wonder if there are any any collaborations between Stevie Wonder and Ringo Starr. Wouldn't that be awesome? Heck, let's put together any of those folks that got any of those, that have any of those like extraordinary last names. Ringo Starr. Stevie Wonder. Wow. So, here we go. Uh, Mesmerandbraid.com. You got to go there. Take the collaborator test. You got to take it. You'll go through a series of questions, unique questions, and they will tell you what your special grouping is. Many people have likened this to the, uh, for all of you Harry Potter fans out there, this is the sorting of the houses, of the teens, of the tribes. I myself am a glowright. How they determine this, I do not know. I do not know. But they determine it. Um, I'm going to have a whole episode because I'm going to present some, some of the sounds that you can hear when you call up the phone. I was thinking of attaching that stuff to this right now. Should I? No, I, don't, I don't think so. We're going to wait. You're going to wait. <laughs> you're going to wait. Why are you punishing me? Oh, you're going to wait. That's how we're doling out the information. Remember, we still got another We still got another episode coming up with Wiley Herman. So I like to have stuff, you know, fun stuff we get to look forward to. It's very rare that I kind of know what I'm going to do ahead of time. This is one of those rare occasions. Coming up on Inspirato Projecto, the continued interview with what 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 Wiley Herman. What 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 Wiley Herman. And of course, another episodic with Nina Rubin. By the way, folks, visit her at After Defeat. Com. Check out Wiley Herman's movie, The Tolls, 
It's a great, let's see, I believe it's thetollsmovie.com. Hold on. This is, it's, it's, uh, for those of you who are fans of Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is one of those fun ways of, of, uh, there, there are communities being built here and everyone comes together like detectives and they, they, they look, you know, they look for the, uh, the breadcrumbs. They follow the breadcrumbs. I think I said this in another episode before. Imagine Sherlock Holmes. If, you, if you've ever read Sherlock Holmes, I've got this huge book of it. Um, huge book of all the Sherlock Holmes stories. Oh, man, it is so good. I think this is why it's important they tell you to read to read stuff, to look at all these other ideas, because the way that people, all all these different perspectives fit words together. Oh, that's what's so delicious. That's why poets, poets are those who just fall in love with words. It's a romance with the language, with the way that the vocabulary is, whether it's wordplay. Oh man. Oh, so delicious. Whether it's really interesting uh, new vocabulary that is is not necessarily utilized all that often. There's there's a there's an interesting way in which the vibrations unfold, and the way in which surprises are revealed. And it, it it's like it's like a certain pace. You know, you're pacing it. I imagine like it's like you're cooking multiple things on the stove and certain things take longer to boil than others so you kind of plot it out how they're going to okay this thing's ready that thing's ready so poetry the language um now uh let us play I want to play a fun fact for you. Hey, kid, I want to play a fun fact for you. I'm going to give you a fun fact, and then we're going to come back with the story about the, uh, the, uh, secret UFO meetings. Stay tuned in, Sprato Projecto, Ecto, Ecto. Here's your fun fact. You can use Star Wars collectible coins as real money. The tiny South Pacific island of Niue accepts limited edition Star Wars collectible coins as legal tender. So on your next vacation to Niue, be sure to bring some of your coins if you're in need of buying lunch and you're all out of money. Okay, stay tuned Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Okay, here we go. The answer to man behind the machine's question about the secret UFO meetings that I would attend. There's a guy named Stephen Bassett um, who created the Paradigm Research Group. And he started this whole project about disclosure of the, you know, getting petitions signed um, getting people drumming up interest getting people interested in the idea of the government declassifying UFO files and making the public aware that we we have extraterrestrials on earth they're always watching us all the time Uh, they can shape shift they can vibrate at a higher a higher level than us, so they, in a sense, become invisible. This is why it's been said that if we traveled back in time, uh, chances are the people there wouldn't be able to even see us 
because we'd be vibrating at a, at a faster rate. So, and this, this, could, this could account for possibly the feeling why we feel the uh, time, time flies. You know, this, this, could, this could possibly uh, account for that idea. Anyway, Stephen Bassett. Uh, I don't know how long he held the meetings for, but once a month, I'd gone on three occasions... I visited on three occasions, and the only way to get in there was because was that you had to know someone, and the and you had to know someone. You had to be in the industry, and by the industry, I'm putting that in quotes. That that usually means you got to be in the film or TV industry. Oh, it's become such a common place when you say the industry. It just kind of it means you know in the film and TV industry. That can mean if you're a director, a producer. Musician, actor, any of those things, but someone that that is involved with the industry and is a UFO enthusiast or has had personal experiences. And um, every once in a while, he would have these esteemed guests, these guests who were respected within the UFO community. Everyone would go around, introduce themselves, and talk about what their job is in the industry and what their experiences were. And I heard some amazing experiences at this place. It was the first time I heard someone talk about the reptiles. It was, I believe it was... Uh, I heard about the reptiles. Uh, I heard there was a guy who talked about interviews he had with, you know, the highly, highly classified government dudes. And, uh, and they talked about flying from the North Pole to the South Pole in the hollow earth and looking over through the window and seeing woolly mammoths running, running, on the ground. It's prehistoric in there. Uh, he talked about the hollow earth. He t- uh, there's a guy who talked about his experiences with coming across a morphing UFO. This UFO that would morph right before his very eyes. When he would go out and visit, his uh, his parents were divorced, and so his dad moved out to a farm. So he would go out and... and uh, stay at his dad's house and he liked to sleep in this barn he liked sleeping in the barn being all near all the animals and everything well it was in that barn that um, he started getting visited by ETs and uh, he said he woke up one time and he, and he looked over and there was this saucer of a ship but then it went like CGI it, it morphed into a different shape Um, there's a woman whose grandpa used to work at Area 51 and told her a bunch of stories. This, it was at that meeting, at one of those meetings. Oh, it was out, held out in Marina Del Rey at a motion capture, capture studio. And it was there that I met Roger Lear. Roger Lear has since passed, Dr. Roger Lear. And he, if you look up Alien Scalpel on YouTube, he's still got his channel up there. He's still got his videos up there where he would do these surgeries on people. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's gross. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I can't necessarily look at that stuff because he's really digging in there. And he's operating on people's, people's arms uh, or necks or what have you where they have been inserted with a, uh, gosh, one of those little, you know, a little piece, a little piece of metal. Sometimes it's metal. Whitley Strieber, 
who wrote the who wrote communion he he had asked roger to to get this piece removed out from behind his ear but roger just didn't he didn't um trust himself enough to 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 do something like that um but he would have these specimens at his laboratory they he in fact invited us to go out there he said there was this one this one uh god what what the hell the implant implant uh in someone's arm that was like imagine like one of those boba balls or like a tapioca pudding ball it's like a little gelatinous like so he said underneath someone's skin there's like a little bump like a like it was like a ball and you can move he's like you can move if you took like a a, a pen you know pen cap and you moved it along the skin this thing would follow it he said it was biological in nature and they operated on it see what they would do is they would they had this machine where they would measure the the implant the electrical impulses they would they would measure it and it, sure enough given off electrical impulses this is why they say that uh these implants are kind of very similar to when we tag cows to keep track of cows that's kind of like what the ets are doing they're they're doop, you know tagging us and and keep keeping a watch on us who knows why specific people happen to be those specific people i would love to interview someone on the show who has actually gotten an implant removed i actually know a guy jeff finn the uh the creator of the documentary before the end he's got a very interesting very interesting ufo story implant story so Roger Lear would say, well, that's, you know, if anyone's looking for the smoking gun of aliens existing, I've got the smoking guns. He said, uh, these, these, these are, once, once you remove the implant from the skin, there's no longer any electrical impulse. And he puts them in these Petri dishes. He said it with the little biological, the little ball under the person's skin. He said they operated, he got that little thing out and the thing stopped moving. What he did was he took some of the blood from the person uh, that they that, that he operated on. He put their blood into the petri dish and put the little, the strange little biological thing in there, hoping that it would, you know, sort of. It's like put it, taking a fish out of a fish tank, putting it in a, in a bowl of its own <clears throat> or into a bag of its own water. Getting used to that before you you jump, you know, dive, put it into a new fish fish tank kind of thing. So he put the he put this this little implant into a bowl of petri dish, and the electrical signal stopped. Uh, people from all over the world found out that he was doing these surgeries. He has some he has some of the most clear UFO footage you will ever see. It's in Turkey. Look up Roger Lear L E I R. I believe that's how you spell his name, or L I E R. I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll. It'll uh, uh, correct it for you on YouTube. Look up Dr. Roger Lear. Turkey. Turkey UFOs. Some good... He said Turkey. They fly a lot over there. If any, if, if I have any listeners in Turkey, please call the hotline. 561-203-9179. And please conser- confirm that. Please confirm that. I want to hear your stories. I definitely want to hear your stories too if you have some alien implants. Uh I met a guy there who oh what is his name? He had the he had the blueprints for a UFO. There's a Dr. Barish who used to work at Area 51. He wasn't he wasn't at the meeting, but um I'll call the guy. I'll just say Joe. Okay, so there's this guy who who's a, named Joe who'd come to the meetings. I had a lot of great ideas. Stephen Bassett needed to... I, I think he, he should have listened to him a little more. Uh, but this guy, Joe, and I, I, don't, I don't really remember his name. I got to rummage through my storage here and, and look up that the alien blueprint. Uh, but he would he would he had the full story. He interviewed this guy, Barish, Dr. Barish. Barish? Uh, who worked at a- Area 51. They should call it Alien 51. I'm sure someone's already thought of that. Uh, 
So uh, the Dr. Barish, who was working there, and this alien, he got to sort of form a relationship with this thing. They would, they would interview it um, telepathically. And one day, this thing jumped onto his chest, knocked him down, and just stared straight into his eyes and just downloaded all this information, all this information. And so he knew about all the craft and every, crafts and everything, how they're all built. And so through him, he was able to make a, a blueprint of UFO. And this guy, Joe, happened to have the blueprint of the UFO. He passed out these to everybody, one to everybody. In the These meetings were great. So that was the secret UFO meeting I used to attend. Look up Stephen Bassett, S-T-E-V-E-N-B-A-S-S-E-T-T, Paradigm Research Group. Look that up. We don't, we don't have those meetings anymore, unfortunately. Uh, we don't have those meetings, unfortunately, anymore. It was really... It was thrilling to go in there and hear these people talk about this stuff. Stephen would usually open up the meetings showing the latest trailers and commercials. Um, for movies or TV shows that, that had to do with UFOs. And so what, it, what, one of the things he, he said was that the media, they know the truth. And it's like, it's kind of like, and these are, the, what I'm about to say next are kind of like my own words, um, but they are my own words. It's kind of like when you know an inside joke and you say it around your friends a lot when you're at school, let's say you got an inside joke about, I don't know, the principal. You got this funny little inside joke about the principal and, and you call him Sasquatch. So, you know, let's say in high school, you're like, where's Sasquatch today? Anyone else would be like, what? You know, but you're like, oh, Sasquatch. Those who know, they know. Or if you're a Harry Potter fan, you might say, look at all these muggles. And a person who's not a Harry Potter fan would say, what are you talking about? But those who are Harry Potter fans would go, oh, yeah, a lot of muggles. They would know. There's an inside joke there. May the force be with you. If I say that to someone who's never seen Star Wars, they're not going to know what the heck that is. May the force be with you. Uh, Okay, thank you. Thank you. God bless you, too. So, so um, it's kind of that little cheeky kind of, you know, like, ah, you know what, I know a little something. Brah, brah, brah. That's, he said that's kind of like what they do in the media to release truth. They'll release it in a fictional way. When you release something in a fictional way, your brain can accept it better because it's in imagination land. It's in dreamland. It's a lot easier to accept it because it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's fictional, it's, you know, you're not you're not called to you're not required to. Uh, give a yes or no answer on whether you believe it exists or not. You know, it's entertainment that way. You're just like, oh God, that's funny. So so then it's a subliminal conditioning of the brain. It's get, it gets used to that condition. It normalizes it in its brain. So then when it comes about, when that thing actually is revealed and actually happens, now, now you're like, aha, aha. You know, it's like you've gotten used to, you've gotten used to it. So he says they do that a lot with, with you know, with when the UFO uh, uh, alien type stuff we're in commercials and, and movies he's like yep they're priming your brain they're getting you used to it they're kind of disclosing the information without officially disclosing it Stephen Bassett was in charge of the disclosure project which is they brought together all these government officials and the government officials talked about their experiences there's a guy named Hellier H-E-L-L-Y-E-A-R which is interesting that's different than the uh, the documentary Hellier, which is spelled H-E-L-L-I-E-R, that's about Hellier, Kentucky, about the goblins. But that's a side. That's a, that's a side point. That's that's a side thing. But you, you check out that documentary, by the way. But Hellier, H-E-L-L-Y-E-R, Hellier. Um, he was the the, the, uh, the from the Department of Defense of Canada. He talked about the tall whites. Oh God, there there's just so much information on this. You know. It's it's funny. It's so funny that we're even still debating the existence of these things. We've got all these stories, all these stories. If you really want to 
get highly vibrational. Check out the Unify page on Facebook, Unify. And uh, look on the Unify page and check out the Harmonic Convergence. Or you could go to TH, you go to THC.org and look up all the Harmonic Convergence things from each of those days. And you'll see lots of people talking about UFO sightings, meetings, the ways in which they change their lives. I interviewed quite a few people so far on the podcast that I met through the Harmonic Convergence, actually, that are, that are uh, episodes on here. Anyway, thank you, man, behind the machine. Forgive me that trip down memory lane. Take care. Thank you so much for listening in Sparato Projecto. me if they're interested in talking or learning about coaching or just reading my blog or just saying hi at after the on instagram after defeat just a-f-t-e-r-d-e-f-e-a-t and the same for my website www.afterdefeat.com and there people can contact me and um, read my blog etc so i would love to hear from people I'm friendly and open, and I love to hear new ideas. So that's always really awesome to me. Gosh. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show and for such a high vibrating conversation. This is going to be so great to share with everybody. This has been so fun for me. I just want to thank you for having me on and having such a thorough, fun, light, interesting, and introspective conversation. I really like the way you operate and the way you are in the world. It, I can just, I love hearing how positive you are and also how, how tickled you are with ideas. It, it's just, it's so, pre- it's just such a present part of you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. You're welcome. I just feel like it's all giggles and I like that. That's the kind of way that like that, those are the people I like are the people who are like open to giggling and then actually do it. That's me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is good. We'll wake up. We'll be waking up some more of those those people in their in their hibernation through this exactly. podcast. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nina. And you oh, have a great you. day. And uh, you too. Stay inspired. Sounds good. And you also talk bye. to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Inspirado. Trap